Straight Ahead, every Wednesday from 10pm, with London's leading music venue, The 606 Club. Thank you. 
Welcome to this week's 606 Club Straight Ahead show with me, David Lewis. We started the show off this week with a track from Herbie Hancock, of course, Chameleon, a track that you'll find on the Headhunters album, originally released on the Columbia label back in 1973, a groundbreaking album, one of the best-selling jazz albums ever, and one of the first to turn platinum also. And we're going to hear another version of that in our buddies bit uh, before 10.30. So on the show this week, you can expect to hear a couple of tracks from Dee Dee Bridgewater. Her classic album, Afro Blue, has recently been re-released. We've got music also from Miles Davis and from the Jaff Trio. Our guest on our series of interviews, Keeping Musicians Live, is Callum Owl, talking about his brand new project, Songs and Stories. But next to play is Brenda Brown. And uh, she's recently released an album called Life Among Giants. It's a significant tribute to the era of classic jazz repertoire and hi-fi recordings, capturing the richness and total tapping energy of big bands and the orchestras. So as I say, we're going to hear a couple of tracks from this great new album. The first is the classic standard from George and Erwa Gershin, They Can't Take That Away From Me. Our romance won't end on a sorrowful note Though by tomorrow you're gone the song has ended, but as the songwriter wrote, the melody lingers on. They may take you from me, I'll miss your fond caress. But though they take you from me, I'll still possess the way you wear your hat. The memory of all that No, no, they can't take that away from me The way your smile just beams 
Take that away from me, Brenda Brown. And we've got another track from her album, Life Amongst Giants, just before the end of the show. Thank you very much indeed for all the lovely comments and emails and messages I had about the interview last week with Jim, Jim Mullen. And if you want to find uh, that interview and listen to it all over again, it's available on whichever podcast service you happen to use. So we love playing classic Blue Note tracks here on Straight Ahead, but of course Blue Note are uh, very much making great music to this day. And we've got a track next from James Francis, a pianist, just 23 years old, uh, originally from Houston. And uh, it's a wonderful album called Flight we're going to be playing a track from, the extraordinary debut album that welcomes Francis into the, uh, the storied Blue Note Records family. And the track we're going to listen to this week is called Sway.
pianist James Francis from his amazing Blue Note debut set called Flight, and we just listened to Sway. So, of course, we opened up the show this week with Herbie Hancock and the original version of Chameleon. And the reason that we opened up with it was because when I was uh, working on the show and producing the show this week and looking what to play on Buddy's bit, I found that I had a recording of Buddy Rich playing Chameleon. It's uh, recorded live at New York Club Buddy's Place. It features Sal Nistico on sax, Anthony Jackson on the bass, and Jack Wilkins on guitar.
There you go. I shall let you contra- uh, compare and contra- contrast those two versions of Chameleon, two versions, one great number. Buddy Rich there, of course, and as I say, from the album Very Live at Buddy's Place over in New York City and featuring Sal Nistico on the sax. And we opened up the show with the original from one year earlier in 1973, Herbie Hancock's uh, version of Chameleon. So it is time we go into our interview this week with Callum Owl. He's going to be talking about his brand new project, which is called Songs and Stories, and it's got Claire Martin as the guest vocalist throughout on the project. It's an 80-piece orchestra that managed to pull together for the recording quite something he's going to be telling us all about it and around the interview we're going to be listening to tracks from the album and the first track we're going to hear is you and the night and the music if you want to know what's happening at the six check out the website at 606club.co.uk So it is that time of the show when we are returning to our series of interviews, Keeping Musicians Live. And I mentioned a little earlier on, we've got a composer, arranger, orchestrator and trombonist Callum Owl with us this evening. Callum, a very good evening to you. 
Good evening to you too. So, to well, I'm really grateful that you could spend the time with us. I know it's been a, a mighty busy time for you. We're probably quite not as busy as you would have expected, but um, it was through our mutual friend Claire Martin, who was on the show with us a few weeks ago. And of course, we'll be talking about the album that you and Claire have got coming out. And it sounds as if it's going to be ever so special. There's some lovely little teasers on social media, some lovely little videos you put up. So mm -hmm. it uh, looks like it's going to be a, a wonderful, wonderful album. So if we just wind back to sort of your first introductions to music, and would I be right in thinking that possibly you were a trumpeter first? As a trombonist first. Right. Um, I I learned with a trumpet player, though. That's what was, um, I was wondering, yeah. My So my first teacher was um, was a chap called Terry Reaney, who was the solo trumpet player with the Sid Lawrence Orchestra mm -hmm. before he retired. Um, and he taught me he taught me trombone from when I was about, I guess, maybe um, eight or nine. And that was the um, first instrument you turned to, was it? The, the first instrument I played was actually the piano, which I started a little younger, but um, it was the first instrument I took seriously mm -hmm. was the trombone the piano i kind of i waffled along as many children do <laughs> um but the trombone i sort of really took to it um i it was it was quite funny actually my music teacher in school mrs fielder um it's great to remember the names yeah yeah i i, I remember the miss, mr and mrs fielder they were a husband and wife couple taught mm -hmm. all the primary school music and um she um she put me onto the trombone. She said, I think this instrument will suit you. And it really did. So um, I started that pretty young. Mm -hmm. Is there and, a physical um, restriction with trombone being young, just thinking of the actual leverage with the arms and so on? Is, is that an issue? Um, well, I was always a big kid. I was always a tall kid. So it was never an issue for me. But yes, I think it probably is. I wouldn't. Uh, a lot of um, very, very young players nowadays play the plastic trombones, the P-bones, mm -hmm. which is um, which is great because they're not so heavy. Um, it, I, I would imagine, though, that a lot of uh, it's um, probably more of a restriction is the weight than the than the arm. I've never picked length. one up. I've never picked one up. Yeah, I mean they're, they're not very heavy for an adult, mm. but I, I remember it being heavy for me as a child. There's a lot of saxophones around my house, so I've, I know the way those, but I've not picked up a yeah. trombone. <clears throat> yeah. No, and, sorry, a silly question that just came to my mind, and it's a, probably a very naive question, but the mouthpiece on a trumpet to a trombone, are they at all similar? They're, um, they're the same design, but a trombone mouthpiece is probably um, about twice the size. Right, okay. So they're the same sort of, it's the same sort of thing. They're probably more similar than they are different, but... Um, but because of the size differential, it is um, it's very difficult to play both instruments to a high standard. Right, yeah, I'm with you. <clears throat> so you were born in London, but uh, I was born of, in London. Lot, what part of London were you raised in? Um, well, in? I, I I was born in um, kind of around Paddington right, area. Yeah. My mum worked. My mum worked in the uh, St Mary's Hospital, but um, very soon afterwards moved out of London, moved to Blackpool where mm -hmm. I grew up, um, and. Um, and that's sort of where I lived for the next, um, I guess, 15 years or something before I went to university and then um, you went, went to Oxford. Yeah. You didn't, didn't I you? went to Oxford, yes. Yeah. Um, so presumably when you were up in Blackpool, you started to play with bands and play some of the big bands up there. Yeah, it's um, it was a good place for a young musician, actually, because a lot of um, a lot of the firstly, the, the kind of county music service is great. Um, the. Uh, it, it, it's it, they call it's called the Lancashire Music Service, and they have really strong provisions. There's a there's a lot of very good um, musicians and a lot of very good players come out of their bands and stuff. But secondly, there's a lot of um, kind of retired old professionals who live in mm -hmm. that area because 
it's where we have well, it's where the country used to be. It used to be kind of the second big entertainment hub after London, sure, really. Yeah, yeah. Uh, before, well, it's not so much nowadays, but it, it, it was. And a lot of the retired old pros live there and they still play. And, you know, there's a lot of good mm. older musicians around. And uh, so from there, then you obviously you said you were there till sort of your early teens mm-hmm. and then you went to uni at Oxford. Um, and from there, did you come back to London? Uh, yes, I moved back to London in 2011, mm-hmm. uh, immediately after graduating. And what degree did you get at Oxford? Uh, I did a classics degree, right? Um, which is um, completely unrelated to anything I do nowadays. Yeah, that's but, what I was um, going to say, yeah. And but it seemed you, like I a mean, good idea at your the time. career, it's, as, as I introduced you to, you're very far and broad reaching in what you do, and a large part of your work is in arranging an orchestration, isn't it? Yes, I, I'd say. Um, well, at the moment, almost all of my work is in arranging an orchestration, as mm. you might expect with the A good second boat fall back on, really, given but, the situation. But, yeah, um, I'd say that in a normal time, it's it's going to be 80%, mm-hmm. 80% of what I do. And, I mean, you've got an affinity, I know, for... We'll be talking about the new album, Songs and Stories, with Claire a little bit later on. But mm. um, you, you do have a great affinity and warmth to orchestras and big bands as well don't you some of yes, the string indeed. bands and so and that is very indicative in your styling isn't it mm, I, i'd say so i mean i i learned a lot of what i know through um doing niger the national youth jazz mm-hmm. orchestra yeah i was going to come on to um, that yeah you spent seven years with them didn't you i did yeah i spent yeah. a long time with them mm-hmm. I, I think i was in the band from 2005 to 2012 or something like that they were a wonderful institution i've seen them play yeah, so many indeed. times were you there in the bill years then Yes, yeah. yes. I, I, me and Bill finished at about the same time, actually. Um, <laughs> Coincidence, I'm trusting. <laughs> yeah, well. Not a mass exodus. It just, it just sort of ended up that way. And, um, I mean, looking through the list of people that you've worked with, it's quite a prodigious name list that you've got there. And you worked alongside or with Quincy on his 80th birthday concert, didn't you? I did some of the orchestrations for that concert, yes. Um, it was all through um, Jules Buckley, who is the... Uh, musical director of the Metropole Orchestra, mm-hmm. uh, lovely chap. Um, he kind of put together the team for that show. And it was um, me and Tommy Lawrence and Evan Jolly um, and a couple of other people. But a lot of them were actually the arrangers from the National Youth Jazz Orchestra over the last 10, 15 years. So it's a it was, very small was, world, isn't it? Yeah, it was very nice. I I, it was it was a really nice moment, actually. I bet it was. Did you actually be. get to meet Quincy? Um, he was in the same room at the kind of That'll bar do. afterwards, That'll but do. I, I didn't actually <laughs> chat with him. And, uh, I mean, again, you cross genres of music as well, don't you? Because you, you worked with Jessie hmm. J on her yes. Christmas single as well, on which is, is, is a very diverse kind of sound that I wouldn't have necessarily have associated you to. So do you enjoy kind of keeping your broad spectrum of music choices and talents alive yeah, like I that? Yeah, I do. I, I mean, I, I I guess I I started out playing, as most people do, playing classical music mm-hmm. and quickly uh, decided that that was too boring because there's too many rests and um, <laughs> as a brass player and moved on to playing jazz and big band music, which mm-hmm. is far more interesting. So I guess that's the that's the genre which I stayed most sort of accustomed to mm-hmm. over time. But I... I think it's important to cover a wide range of material and 
listen to a wide range of things and just be interested in things. Which brings us around to the work that you did with Lewis, Lewis Dowdswell, the uh, trumpeter. Yeah. Um, with the D- Disney song, again, this is showing what a broad, broad kind of <laughs> canvas of music that you, you work with. How did all that come about? Well, Louis is a, he's a, uh, he's a really talented guy. Uh, Louis is a few years younger than me. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, he started out in Niger just as I was finishing. Um, so oh, that's, so that's your I first introduction. Yeah. That, that was my first introduction to him. Yeah. And him and his whole family are, are great musicians, actually. His sister, Jess, is a bit older than him as a singer. Mm-hmm. And his younger sister, Maddie, is a great trombonist. But, um, I met him there and we kind of, um, we kind of started working together on, you know, various big band gigs, a lot for Pete Long. Mm-hmm. Um, over at Ronnie's, as, yeah. Yeah, over at Ronnie's as time went on. And then um, Louis has the YouTube channel. Which very successful as well, is isn't it? Very successful, yeah. He, he has um, several videos with hundreds of thousands of views. Mm. And we decided that we'd make a video for his YouTube channel um, when we were in a a dressing room on a gig at the apex in Bury St. Edmunds because he thought it would be a bit of fun. Um, and it's, it's all sort of developed out of that, really. And uh, you've also got a studio that I think you run along with him? That's right, the, yeah. The, the stadium and studio, I, yeah. Yeah, in, in Wembley, mm. uh, which is actually where we recorded the big band for this uh, Songs and Stories. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Louis was, the, Louis was the producer and the engineer for Songs and Stories, as well as the lead trumpet. Right. Oh, he, I, didn't know, I didn't know he was producing on this album. Yeah. He did, um, he did all the mix. Um, he played, uh, as well as playing lead trumpet, he did all the mixing. He did all the um, kind of difficult work with the hundreds of thousands of microphones that we got from Air Studios, where our recording engineer was uh, Jeff Foster, who's very well known in the business. So I was going to talk about the album a little later, but now seems a very natural point at which bring up the album that you've done sure. with Claire. She's the vocalist mm. on the album, Songs she and is. Stories. So yes. it's a big band and a full orchestration, I believe, isn't it? I've yet to That's hear the right, album in yeah. full. I know there's a copy coming my way, but uh, yes. But talk us a little bit through how this seed developed in your mind. Well, um, so so the album the album has about there's I think there's three big band tracks. Mm-hmm. There's four orchestral tracks. And there's four tracks with the big band and the orchestra together. So must be um, 78 so, musicians. Yeah, there's, there are 82 musicians in total, though, though I don't think 82 of them are ever playing at the same time. <laughs> and then the most you get at the same time is about 60. And so you started talking to Claire about this project. How long ago? Yes. Um, so I, I had in mind that I wanted to do something like this um, uh, for a few years now, mm-hmm. um, partly as a sort of showreel for my arranging work uh but partly because it's you know some of my favorite albums of all time uh things like frank sinatra's songs for swinging lovers um things like in the wee small hours of the morning mm-hmm. uh the uh, ella fitzgerald uh nelson riddle records. i was going to say there's obviously a riddle um, link here i could hear that coming through and and also slightly more contemporary things like the Joni Mitchell album, Both Sides Now, mm-hmm. um, which Vince Mendoza did the arranging for. Um, and it's things like that that are on really quite a grand scale. And I don't think that happens very often nowadays. So I just thought I should, I, I kind of fancied doing something like that. So. Logistically, it must have been super tough. 
Mm, yes, I suppose so. Um, so I, I mean, were the, the two bands ever in one room, or was no, it done as sessions? No, no, we did it. We did. We always did the um, the orchestra was all done at the same time, mm-hmm. and the big band was done at the same time. Right. Yep. Yep. But the big band and the orchestra didn't happen Never at met, the same no, time. No. 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 Um, the reason being that um, it gives you so much more control in the mix stage. If you have a big band and an orchestra in the same room, you'll just end up with a load of brass on the string mics and you don't yep. have that kind of fine tuning that you might want. So how many days did you have the bands together to record all the sessions? Um, right. So the I'm just the orchestra, it's, the, it's the number of people that were involved in this album that's just yeah, breathtaking. Yeah, the, the orchestra uh, was all done in one day. Wow. Um which was mainly a function of cost, to be honest. Yeah, I, yeah, I of course. loved the second day, but um, but yeah, we did the entire orchestra in in two in two three hour sessions. So every tune was every tune was the second or third take. As you'll hear it on the album. <laughs> I hope your troubles are few All my good wishes go with you tonight I've been in love like you Be brave, young lovers, and follow your star Be brave and faithful and true Cling very close to each other tonight I've been in love like you I know how it feels to have wings on your heels Fly down the street on a chance. You fly down the street on a chance that you'll meet and you'll meet. Not really by chance. Don't cry, young lovers, whatever you do. Don't cry because I'm alone. All of my memories are happy tonight. I've had a love of my Songs and Stories was Hello Young Lovers and Claire Martin is the vocalist on the album and we'll be finishing off our interview with Callum just after 11 o'clock but importantly you can actually own a copy of that album as of next Friday the 26th of June it's going to be on all the normal digital platforms plus as physical CD and vinyl you can go over to callumalmusic.com and take a look at it there and say we've got the final part of the interview plus another couple of tracks in that wonderful, wonderful album coming away on the show this evening 
And uh, so if you collect soul and jazz records in the 1970s, there's a very good chance that uh, you will have heard the voice of this next artist on those without necessarily knowing it. Dee Dee Bridgewater, who's best known as a jazz singer, she worked with the likes of Roy Ayers, Norman Connors, Billy Parker and Carlos Garnett. And her original and debut album, Afro Blue, has now just been re-released. There's some lovely, lovely tracks on there. So we're going to go back to the album recorded in uh, Tokyo in 1974 originally. And this is Little Bee's Poem. <laughs> Let all the bells ring for little B. You are my heart's delight. You make life sunny and bright, little B. You are all my heart's inspiration. Before you came and brought us such joy, how we hoped and prayed that you'd be a boy, but little girl, you are my heart's delight. You make life sunny and bright, little B. You are all my heart's inspiration. First of two tracks from the uh, debut album from Dee Dee Bridgewater back in 1974. Afro Blue was first released, just being re-released now, and Little Bee's Poem is the track that we just listened to. Next play on Straight Ahead this week is another new track from London-based saxophonist Chris Rand. And on his uh, latest album, along with his quartet, he's invited long-term friends and colleagues Derek Nash, Dave Green and Ben Waters to be part of the album. And this album really does show the press as a composer and band leader. And the track we're going to be playing from Chris is the title track from the new album called Gathering. Thank you. 
title track from London-based saxophonist Chris Rand and his uh, new album called The Gathering, along with his quartet, of course, and uh, we'll be playing more tracks on that over the next few weeks. So it is about time we carry on with our interview with Callum. Uh, we heard the first part not long ago, and we're going to carry on now. And the next track we're going to hear from the album before we get into the interview is The Standard, along with Claire Martin, of course, of Stars Fell on Alabama. Listen online, on DAB and on smart speakers. Straight ahead with London's leading music venue, The 606 Club. We lived our little drama We kissed in a field of white and men Stars fell on Alabama I can't forget the glamour Your eyes held a tender light one Stars fell on Alabama last night I never planned in my imagination A situation so heavenly A fairy land where no one else could enter And in the center just you and me, my dear My heart beat like a hammer Your arms wound around me tight and then Stars fell on Alabama last night Planned in my imagination A situation so heavenly A fairy land where no one else could enter And in the center Just you and me, my dear My heart beat just like a hammer Arms wound around me tight and there Stars fell on Alabama last night
And how the, long ago was it actually all recorded? Uh, oh wow, it was nearly it was over a year ago actually. We recorded right. the we recorded the orchestra in March 2019. Mm-hmm. Uh, the big band in I think April 2019. The big band went on second because Louis and I, um, obviously Louis is a fantastic trumpet player. Mm-hmm. We actually recorded the horn parts in advance. Um, so that the people in the orchestra could hear them, mm-hmm. uh, but but then replace them with the real guys later on. And uh, the album is going to be released. The release date for it is, has been arranged now. Take it. It has. Yes, it's the nineteenth of June. Nineteenth of June, and it, as I said, it is all over social media. It's not little video teasers that are out there at the moment. And I've been yes. looking at all of those just before you and I chatted. Actually, I was looking at some of those on Instagram. So I'd encourage mm-hmm. people to t- check those out because it's a real little tease of what you're going to be expecting to hear on mm-hmm. it. And of course. Back to your gigging career, you've for a long time now been part of the Ronnie Scott's Jazz Orchestra as well, haven't you? That's right, yeah. I, I was very fortunate with that. I sort of, um, when I, the year I graduated from Oxford, um, I started playing uh, some debt work with them. Um, and uh, vacancies just sort of opened up and I was sort of in the right place at the right time. But I... I'm I'm a big fan of Pete and all the stuff that he does. Mm-hmm. Pete, Pete is playing contrabass clarinet on the album, by the way, um, which is a lovely you, sounding album, isn't it? Uh, instrument, sorry, it's a it, lovely sounding. It is, yeah, album. it is, and you don't get to see those very often. No, but, no. But I'm I'm a big fan of Pete as a kind of um, mover and shaker and person who makes stuff happen in the in the little industry that we all work in. Well, very well respected man and name, isn't he? Yes, yes. And um, I mean, again, just looking through some of the names that through Ronnie's that you've um, performed with, such as Curtis Steigers and uh, mm-hmm. uh, Seth MacFarlane, but also again going back to some of the other names we mentioned, the, the fact that you'd been involved with Jesse J and with Quincy, but like yes. with Burt Bacharach and the Royal Philharmonic mm-hmm. Orchestra, Randy Brecker, Jamie Cullum. This all happened in quite a short space of time, hasn't it? Really, the, the amount of artists that you've had to be, the luck and joy to be working with. Um, I suppose so. It depends how. It depends what you mean by a short space of time, but I've, I've been working full time for 10 years. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I guess it's happened within 10 mm. years. It's a, it's a fine list of names that you've got to be working with though. So and did you always know, I mean, I know obviously you said you went to the university to do a classics degree. So I don't know if that's answered mm. my question or not. Did you know that you wanted to be a musician? Was that always a seed or something at the back of your mind? It was always something that I wanted to do as a sort of primary option, mm-hmm. but I didn't see any reason not to study something else. So you never went to a conservatoire then? or No, I didn't. So you've got no musical degree? I've got no music degree. Wow. Because I, 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 looking at you and all the work you've done, I fully assume that's the route you would have gone, you know, the Guildhall mm. or so on. But mm. uh, to come out of university with a classics degree and then was it pretty much straight away as soon as you finished Oxford, you decided that you wanted the life of a musician? Well, I, I moved to London and started working as a musician and never had to stop i i, I mm. kind of you know i don't i don't like to close a door i think that it you, you never know what's going to happen and frankly at the moment we don't even know if there will be a music business in in um in a year's time mm. which would be really terrible but um in in that situation which i hope don't doesn't happen um having a degree that's not a conservatoire degree is very helpful mm. or kids potentially very helpful and i think that that's what i was thinking when i decided not to do the conservatoire route and the reason that i many months ago now started this series of interviews was just realizing that musicians have had their 
livelihoods shut off, doors literally closed mm -hmm. in their faces. And I just want to do something to give you guys some profile and talk about the projects. But one of the questions that I love to ask about is, particularly in those early days of, of the lockdown, mm. how did that affect you? I mean, I'm assuming you, busy as you are, you must have had a lot of gigs in. Yes. So um, in the early days of the lockdown, my performance career got wiped out, as mm -hmm. did everybody else's, as mm -hmm. I'm sure everybody knows. Mm. Luckily for me, um, the arranging stuff that was already commissioned, a lot of what I do nowadays um, on that sort of side of things is work for um, groups like the Metropole Orchestra, mm -hmm. groups like uh, the Brussels Jazz Orchestra, and a lot of these get their funding and they they are going to be you know, they've got the money to spend mm, regardless. Mm, so mm. they honored the commissions that they'd already sent out, which was good. So um, at the very beginning of the lockdown, I sort of didn't really see much change. Mm -hmm. um, but um, now we're a little bit further in, and I've certainly noticed that there's nowhere near as many commissions coming in as I would have normally expected. Um, that said, it's not as if I'm not keeping busy. I've got plenty of projects on the go. Um, even if own projects, sort of, some of my own projects, uh, Louis and I are doing another album. Um, <laughs> of this sort of scale um, again, or are you able to say? It, it'll be a big band thing. Right, yeah. It'll be a big band thing with some special guests. I don't think we'll be, I don't think we'll be using a string section um, unless there's, unless there's a particular reason to, but, mm -hmm. but it's, um, it's, it's likely to be a big band thing for the, um, for his channel but we're we're very early stages at the moment and have you managed um, to create any kind of new discipline any routines for yourself on a day-to-day -day basis because it, it kind of that was the thing i think initially i found hardest was not getting up and doing the normal xyz's that we all do mm, mm. um what i found invaluable is at the start of the week i've got a little i've got a little app on my computer that has like um it's basically just a notepad mm -hmm. that stays on the desktop. Mm -hmm. And at the start of the week, I write down the thing that I'm going to accomplish on each day. Mm -hmm. um, even if that thing is spend the whole day playing computer games, <laughs> um, that is that is a that is a valid thing to write on the yep. on the on the plan for the week. And mm -hmm. I found that if I do specify, you must accomplish this on this day, otherwise you haven't succeeded yeah, in, yeah, that, yeah. in that day then that that's made me stay fairly on top of things actually and obviously a lot of the time i'm speaking to, to musicians they're so busy on a day-to-day -day basis they often don't get time to necessarily practice as much as they would like to do you find that you've been able to pick up and, and get back to some of the basics um i'll tell you what i weirdly i've played a lot more during the lockdown mm. than i ever did um when it wasn't locked down you know i don't have the same level of level of commissions coming in, as I said, mm. arranging wise. Mm. So I'll quite often just pick up the trombone and have a play. And mm. I've, I've got my home recording set up and I can, um, I'll quite often just record myself playing something, track something up and mm. hear it. I've done, um, one of the things I did, uh, towards the start of the lockdown was you know, there's a lot of trombone players in London and a lot of them are absolutely incredible. And with um, seven others, we recorded a little arrangement I did of the tune Little Girl Blue. Oh, beautiful. Um, yeah. So that was really nice. Um, that that took some 
that took some playing because I didn't make it easy for any of us. <laughs> it's such um, a gorgeous number that I've got the Nina Simone version of it, and it's it's just a beautiful, beautiful number, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. There's the um, there's the uh, the a high part was played by Andy Wood mm-hmm. of the BBC Big Band in our in our little version. Mm-hmm. Who's who's amazing? He's he's on the he's on my album as well on Songs right. and Stories. Yeah, playing playing first trombone. And just returning to the current album, the title "Songs and Stories" mm-hmm. is that uh, d- derived by yourself? Yes. So um, the kind of I love to know titles. General, it always yeah. there's always a meaning behind them. The general meaning behind it, it, there's two meanings behind it, and one of them's a little bit Easter eggy. But the but the, the the primary one is that when I think of the great arrangers and the great arrangements, um, I think that the main thing that makes a good arrangement a great thing to listen to is it supports the story that the song is trying to tell. Mm. It, it tells the story so that the song doesn't have to do any work to, or, or, or yeah, a great singer will, as Claire does, will put across the story in yep. their, in their singing. But, mm. um, but the arrangement should always help that. It should always um, add to that and, bring it along the way, you know, a, a kind of <laughs> it, something that I think really doesn't do this. Um, it, I, it's easier to say it by counterexample because there's so mm. many great things that do. Something that really doesn't do it is the, the famous Bobby Darren Mac the Knife, mm. um, which is, of course, about a serial killer. Um, <laughs> and it's, you know, it's this funny, happy, jolly <laughs> swinging along. Yeah. Yeah. Um, or, or if you or if you don't know that, if you know this one, Artificial Flowers by the same artist. It's basically no, the same that. arrangement. But right. it, the song's about a girl dying of dying of cold. <laughs> uh, but it's the same arrangement as Mac and I. Uh, but yes, uh, the, um, the title is primarily because we've got a series of songs and I wanted the arrangement to tell the story of the song just as Claire tells the story of the song. The idea is that the arranging and the singing both do this Came together. same thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, you listen to um, some of the stuff on In the Wee Small Hours of the Morning or mm-hmm. Only the Lonely, and you just, you just can't beat that. It's the, it's the same sort of thing that I tried to do. Um, the, other, the other reason was because my... My mother's family name is actually Story, S-T-O-R-I-E. Right, okay. So, so I just thought it's well. a little nod to that. Yep. Um, and was this the first time you'd worked with Claire? I'm presumably not. You must have met someone not, beforehand. No. Um, we, I actually met Claire. Well, well I, I first worked with Claire with the Ronnie's Band, um, but I worked with Claire in a slightly more, in a, in a kind of less side-manny capacity. I guess it must have been 2000 and 15, 2016, around about then, mm-hmm. um, we did a little project with the Tippet Quartet. Um, the Tippet Quartet are one of the country's high, most highly regarded classical string quartets. Um, and they're, they're, they really are incredible. Um, and John Mills, in fact, all four of them are playing on the Songs and Stories album. They respectively lead the various banks of strings, violin one, violin two, viola, cello. And um, we we did this. Um, it was Matt Skelton, the drummer, who put this together. Um, and he he introduced me to Claire, and I wrote some music for a kind of small chamber ensemble mm-hmm. of the string quartet plus harp plus Claire, the jazz rhythm section of Matt 
Jeremy Brown and James Pearson and myself and John Chinoy, the, the kind of woodwind double sax player. And um, that's sort of how we that's how we met and how we started working together. And we always got along and we always, I always found her very easy to write for. And, mm. you know, she's, she's brilliant, as, mm. as everybody knows. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't need restating. So the album, I assume, is going to be available on all of the normal digital platforms. Yes. Is it going to be released as vinyl as well? It's going to be released as vinyl and it's going to be released as a CD. So you can get the CDs from... Well, you'll be able to get both of those from me. Which, uh, do you want to give us details? Website. Yeah, give us details. Yeah, my, website. my website is callumowlmusic.com mm-hmm. or, or callumowl.com. I, I managed to bag that domain name <laughs> recently. Right. So, somebody lapsed it, so it's mine now. Good, good. Well bagged. <laughs> um, and um, you can also get it from Amazon and all the other kind of regular online stores. Um, I imagine it'll be in record shops as well or whichever record shops nowadays exist. Mm-hmm. Yeah, some of the um, specialist ones, I'm sure, which, will have it, yep. Um, and I was saying, just before we start recording, I was looking at your website, and it's a lovely, mm-hmm. lovely website, so I'd encourage people to go and look at it. It's just a really easy page to, uh, site to navigate through, and loads of great information there as well. Yeah, oh, you can thank Nadia for that. Nadia Van Mosso from Nadworks, who put it all together for me. She's also brilliant, and um, she's been very, very helpful in the process with the album she also did all the album art and mm-hmm. the the um video the videography which i've been so speaking she's... of already yeah mm-hmm. yeah well callum it's been fascinating talking to you i was really looking forward to this interview you had such a wide body of work to get through and talk about that it was uh, just mm-hmm. great to sit down with you because it, you're, you're very unique in what you've brought to us uh, you know oh, certainly well, from the arrangement you. and orchestration side i don't think i've spoken to anyone that's done orchestration before so it's it's been fascinating speaking with you and i hope the out well we'll be playing tracks from the album on the show tonight of course around mm. your interview and if you go to callum's website and all the specialist record stores you'll be able to pick up a copy of the album along with claire which was, uh, we've been mentioning tonight it's called songs and stories so callum many thanks indeed for your time it's been a real pleasure thank you very much it's been great fun thank you callum cheers good luck Bye-bye. thank you bye bye I 
rounding off our interview with Cam there was another track from the album Songs and Stories, which features Claire Martin, of course, on the vocals. And that was I Concentrate On You. We recorded that interview just a few weeks ago. The uh, release date has been put back now, as I mentioned, on to the 26th of June. It's going to be available on vinyl, CD and as a digital download. And uh, you can pre-order that now by going over to callummusic.com, callummusic.com and pre-order a copy of that wonderful album. Thank you, Callum. Really enjoyed sitting down with you. And uh, next week, it will be Joe and I, joined by Andy Davis, trumpeter Andy Davis. It's the last show of the month time, so it's time that Joe steps back into the studio with me. As Callum served some time with Nigel, I thought it only fitting we play something from that wonderful institution a few years ago. They released an album called Nigel 50, and from that album, we're going to be listening to a track featuring David Healy on the sax and Jessica Radcliffe as the vocalist, Finding My Feet. This is Straight Ahead with the 606 Club of London and David Lewis. Things under the covers One day we might be lovers But we'll have to work things through I'm a beginner where love is concerned I'll need some careful attention Built for the future, leave no stone unturned No need to be bound by convention I'll be to retreat If you spurn my advances Life is a series of dances If the music stops, you're through I'm almost complete Feel my confidence growing Now I know where I'm going Sure that I'm on my way I need to explain out of my system Loves ain't love Still you kiss them In a kissing mood today Walking on eggshells Was never my style I like to be more explicit Wanna be worthy But once in a while I quite fancy something illicit I'm finding my feet I'm no longer a tyro Check me off with your biro Cause I'm ready for the fray Yes, I found my feet today
like to be more explicit Want to be worthy but once in a while I quite fancy something Joe along with Jessica Radcliffe and Finding My Feet. Next we've got music from the brand new album from Michael Olatuja. The album is called Lagos Pepper Soup and his uh, musical destiny is certainly flavoured by his life experiences growing up in Nigeria, London and New York and uh, to play on the show this week we've got a beautiful ballad from that brand new album which features Onoji Jefferson and this is Shadows Fade. Searching 
is the debut album from Jaff Trio, a Finnish Danish trio, and uh, their first album is going to be released on the 3rd of July. And we just listened to a track called Shades of Tomorrow, really interesting listen all the way through. And before that was a track from the recently released album this week, I believe, from Michael Olatuja. The album's called Lagos Pepper Soup. It featured Onage Jefferson on the vocals, and that was Shadows Fade. So I mentioned that we were going to be playing another track from that uh, seminal album of Dee Dee Bridgewater, her debut album back in 1974, Afro Blue, and this is a track that I'm sure you're going to recognize raindrops keep falling on my head raindrops are falling on my head just like the guy whose feet are too big for his
Backrack penned, that was Dee Dee Bridgewater's version of Raindrops Keep Falling on My Head, a track lifted from her debut album Afro Blue. Now, during uh, Enforced Closedown, if you fancy like being part of the six and also supporting artists, why don't you pop over to the website 606club.co.uk and take a look at our brand new facility, 606 Online. For a very small monthly fee, you'll be part of a video library. Live streams are coming soon and an audio library as well. It's a great way of supporting artists and keeping involved with what's going on at the club. So pop on over and take a look at 606 online. At the top of the show, we played a track from Brenda uh, Brenda Brown and her brand new album. The album is called Life Amongst Giants. That track was along with the big band. Here she is with a trio and it features the guitarist Reg Schwager and it is Splinter Dreams. Back to our days of sunshine 
when we were searching for the shade. I never guessed in winter I'd watch our dreams all splinter. No one had warned me love can fade. Giants, which was uh, by Brenda Brown, and we just listened to Splintered Dream. Many thanks indeed for your company over the last couple of hours. Hope you enjoyed the music. I'll be back at the same time next week. Of course, I'll be ably helped then by Joe Harrop, and also Andy Davis will be with us as well, talking about uh, everything to do with his recently released new album. Enjoy the rest of your week, and we are going to finish with a Blue Note classic, recorded and engineered by Rudy Van Gelder at his Hackensack Studios over in New Jersey. It's Miles Davis from his Volume 2 album in 1954, and the track we're going to listen to it features Gil Coggins on the piano and uh, Art Blakey on drums I waited for you thanks for your company and I'll catch you next week